0: He ko e nā te reo irirangi o aotearoa. Tena koutou katoa and welcome to Insight. I'm Philip Atali. This week, death on our roads. Can anything be done to stop it? Nearly 400 people driving on New Zealand roads last year didn't reach their destination that's an increase of nearly 50 percent over six years already this year nearly 250 people have died in crashes along with this human tragedy is a social cost of billions of dollars ben strang investigates if this is a cost we're willing to pay for a vast fast roading network
1: Anyone who's been involved in a serious or fatal crash will tell you the devastation and grief is beyond calculation. For Jade Linklater, the consequences of the fatal crash she was involved in were life-changing.
2: My sister, a friend and I were travelling to Hamilton to um, go shopping, Christmas shopping. I was heading overseas um, on my OE a couple of days after Christmas. And on our way home to Tokoroa, where we're from, uh, we were hit head on by a lady um, who was travelling from Rotorua back to Hamilton.
1: A moment's inattention by another driver on their phone, and Jade's life was put on hold. An overseas trip was cancelled, and she was told she might not be able to have children.
2: The seatbelt saved my life, but um, the seatbelt did cause a lot of injuries internal injuries, so um, my stomach muscles were ripped away, Um, I broke all of my ribs, my sternum, my collarbone, my lungs were punctured, my heart was knocked. Um, (laughs) Trying to, you know, think of all of the, there were lots and lots and lots to list, but luckily we, our lives, you know, we still have our lives, but unfortunately the lady who hit us lost her life.
1: That driver left behind a 17-year-old son and Jade Linklater thinks about him often. Far from being angry about her own injuries, she's sad that an innocent son lost his mother in easily avoidable circumstances.
2: You know, picking up your phone to send a quick text or making a call, like, it only takes a couple of seconds of you taking your attention off the road and you could, you know, <clears throat> kill somebody or lose your life.
1: Distraction, be it through cell phones, passengers, even the radio in your car, is one of the leading causes of crashes on the road. Twelve people died last year solely because a driver was distracted, and 155 were seriously injured. Fortunately for Jade Linklater, the emergency doctors working on her that night in 2011 did a stellar job. She's now the mother of a young son, Quinn, a child she describes as her miracle baby. Not everyone has a fairy tale ending. According to the Ministry of Transport, the social cost of road crashes in 2017 was more than $5.6 billion. That figure looks at how a serious crash impacts the driver and their family. That includes loss of life or a reduction in the quality of life and the loss of the ability to work or be employed. There are also medical costs, legal costs, and also factored in is the damage to the vehicles. What it doesn't include is the cost of emergency medical treatment, which is funded by the Accident Compensation Corporation, and that's estimated to cost more than half a billion dollars each year. All told, it's estimated that road crashes cost the country more than $6 billion during each of the past two years. To get that into perspective, that $6 billion each year is nearly a third of the total health budget for the next financial year. At the epicentre of these deadly and expensive road crashes is Topor, and Mayor David Trewevis says the crashes are devastating for the survivors.
3: These people have been in the prime of their lives that have been taken uh, from their families and uh, just the trauma, the startling of the eyes and just, um, you know, they they just can't believe that it's happened. You always hear about these things, see these things, you know, but it's always to someone else and when it actually is their own families that are involved, uh, they just, yeah, it's shock, basically shock and uh, they take a long time to come to terms
1: of it. In April... Five people from the same family died on Tirohanga Road north of Topor. In the same month, eight people died in a crash only a few kilometres down the road on State Highway 1 near Atiyamuri. Five children were among the dead, the youngest just seven years old. In that crash, a nine year old boy was the sole survivor, left without his parents or his five siblings i decided to head to the region to get a better understanding of why those roads have been so deadly i'm just pulling onto a rural country road north of topor there's no barriers to speak of on the road there's no certainly no median barrier and there are no side barriers all that separates me and the oncoming traffic is a, a white dotted line the speed limit is 100 here, uh, but it feels like you're going a lot faster at times. It's a narrow road. Uh, there are bends and crests and that sort of thing, which you feel like you're going quite fast going around. And It is quite sobering to see the occasional cross on the side of the road, and I have seen a floral arrangement put up for somebody who has died in their vehicle on this road. For the past 18 years... Senior Sergeant Murray Henderson has been patrolling the roads between Hamilton and Topor. He estimates he's been at the scene of more than 200 fatal crashes during that time, and he knows what happened at each of the spots where a cross has been put up on the side of the road. Despite the haunting images he's seen, he says responding to a crash isn't the worst part of his job
4: it's well, yeah it's really hard it's sort of um, emotionally you sort of you try and put on that brave face it does affect you um, and um, the families you get all sorts of different reactions um, sometimes they open the door and they know straight away the fact that we're standing here and um, they always think the worst and um, yeah, it's it's never a nice nice thing um, but you yeah, like I say we do We do our best, we try to make sure they've got um, support around them and we being empathetic towards them and the the loss of their family. The
1: National Head of Road Policing, Steve Greeley, says he remembers vividly the first time he had to do it, telling a woman her husband had fallen asleep on his way home from work.
4: I located her at work and she was in a a remote place, um, all by herself. And I thought, oh, my God, she has no support. But as soon as I did, I confirmed identity, and she dropped to the ground. You want to come up with something that's going to make it better, but you know damn well nothing will make it better. You have just ruined her life by what you had to say. Between 2014 and
1: 2016, fatigue was a factor in almost 15% of all fatal crashes. Murray Henderson says it's a common problem – as people driving through his region prioritise getting there over taking a break. After a two to three hour drive from Auckland, Mr Henderson says the towns near Tokaroa are the kind of places drivers should stop to rest, refill or get a bite to eat, otherwise they start to tire. Early in their trip, drivers focus further up the road, But as the eyes start to get heavy, the focus comes closer to their own bonnet. As a result, following distances start to shrink and reaction times are delayed. It's those minor slips in concentration that can lead to a good driver crossing the centre line and into the path of an incoming vehicle. Mr Henderson says that's all the more likely with more cars on the road.
4: In the last five years, our, the traffic flow on our roads increased by about 5,000 cars a day. Um, so now basically if someone makes a mistake on the roads, there's something coming the other way. There's just no getting away from it. Looking back on it, we, long weekends were busy. Now every weekend's like a long weekend. When the call comes, Murray Henderson
1: races to his car and gets on the road. As the siren screams and he drives to the scene, he often passes a familiar sight on the side of State Highway 1, a few kilometres south of Tokoroa. Standing on a street corner is Mike Gubb, an AA driving instructor and volunteer firefighter, ready and waiting to be picked up by the Tokoroa Volunteer Brigade. In more than 20 years of volunteering, Mr Gubb has been to hundreds of serious crashes. Attending those jobs can take its toll,
3: yeah it's one of those things you don't forget what you've seen, like you said, you don't unsee it, but you don't ever forget it either.
1: Is there any you know? particular crash
3: that you've been to that just stays with you or? Um, there's just too many actually there's you know um, kids are the ones that sort of scare the crap out of me the most um where kids have been involved it um yeah your sort of heart drops, you know, so yeah. See even now. <laughs> yeah. Think about it, talk about it. just brings it back. It's like puts a croak in my throat. <laughs> yeah. So I need a I just need to stretch. <laughs> it's thinking uh, it's, about it. It's that sort of stuff I don't deal with. You know, talking about it as in um, yeah. We just deal with it, you know. It's it's hard.
1: Hamish Smith is the assistant area manager for fire and emergency in the Bay of Plenty region. He says the area Mike Gubb covers is a hot spot for serious crashes, and it's only getting worse.
5: Some weeks there might be one crash a week. Other weeks there might be three. Depends on traffic volumes on the road, time of year, weather conditions like today. They all play a part. Uh, the one thing I can tell you is in the first seven months of this year, the um, number of incidents that we've attended on that particular section of State Highway 1 are in seven months what they were last year with still five months to run. So um, if you look at the policing statistics for fatalities in Bay of Plenty at the moment and you look at that stretch of road, uh, it doesn't matter where you look at it in the Bay of Plenty at the moment, unfortunately. It's increasing.
1: The rise in the number of crashes has been felt by firefighters. The fire service recently changed its name to Fire and Emergency, which Mr Smith says is a reflection of their jobs in 2019.
5: Our number of uh, road accidents uh, are higher than the number of um, structure fires that we would attend. Uh, if we put structure fires and you know, vegetation fires together... Uh, they, they probably weigh slightly more. But then, if you add to the medical rescue work, and particularly the car crashes that you're talking about, if you add the medical response that we do with St. John's to Code Purples, then that far outweighs the firework, you know, any, any class of the firework that the organisation's doing at the moment.
1: That change goes for both the professional firefighters and the volunteers who see fatal smashes in record numbers. Because of the nature of their jobs, firefighters are offered free psychological support. The same goes for other emergency staff, be it police, paramedics, or the doctors and nurses performing emergency treatment at hospitals. Steve Greeley says it's now frowned upon if a police officer doesn't seek help. David Trewevis says two St John's ambulance staff attended the three major crashes in the region this year, in which 16 people died. He says he couldn't imagine having to do that job. I guess the hardest uh, comment
3: was that uh, talking to the senior sergeant Topal, you know, when he had to say to the young constable on the scene um, at um, Atiamuri incident, um, that could you please go back to the station and get some more body bags? Uh, they did; they'd run out of body bags uh, in the actual cars. So, you know, and the and the look on the young constable's face. I think he was out of police school by a year or something like that.
1: Mr. Trewevis has had to get used to meeting the families and friends of those who have died on the region's roads. 117 people have died on Waikato and Bay of Plenty roads in the past 12 months, including 81 this year alone. After the two crashes near Atiamuri in April, Mr. Trewevis met with the families of those involved... Offering any support he could. But he says there is little he could say or do that would help them recover. I'm Ben Strang, and you're listening to an RNZ Insight program about the huge cost of death on our roads. Speed is the leading factor when it comes to road deaths, even if a driver isn't exceeding the set speed limit. According to the Megamaps tool run by the Transport Agency, 87% of roads have a speed limit that is higher than what is deemed safe and appropriate. The tool looks at a number of factors, including the road width and conditions, the traffic volume, and surrounding obstructions and obstacles. Te Ruhanga Road, where five people died in April, has a safe speed limit of 80 kilometres per hour, rather than the signposted 100. The section of State Highway 1, where eight people died, is deemed safe at 100 kilometres per hour. But by international standards, it wouldn't be. International best practice would suggest roads without a barrier between the lanes aren't safe at more than 80 kilometres per hour, because of the impact two cars would have when colliding at 100. Senior Sergeant Murray Henderson says most drivers are oblivious to the severity of such an impact.
4: The different impacts within the vehicle are, uh, during a crash, um, a lot of people don't understand the physics. You know, Basically it's not just two cars coming together. Um, you then got the person inside the car... Um, colliding with the inside of the car, then you've got the internal organs colliding with the skeleton. So there's sort of the three different impacts you have during a crash. And when you sort of um, explain it to people that, you know, even doing 100 kilometres an hour, both cars colliding, it's a 200-kilometre-an-hour crash. Um, the human body's just not designed for it.
1: And dealing with the outcome of these terrible smashes comes at a significant monetary cost On top of the personal tragedy. Figures from ACC show road crashes are a small fraction of the claims made to the organisation, less than 38,000 in 2017 out of nearly 2 million total claims. But where the average sporting claim totals less than $1,000 and a fall at home averages $1,100, A claim for a road crash averages more than $9,000. Derek Sage is the medical director of the emergency department at Tooronga Hospital. When crash victims are brought into the hospital, Dr Sage says a huge number of resources have to be directed to each person. When we do
6: get them, they tend to be fairly spectacular and they really drain the um, manpower in the department for a period of time until we've sorted them out. So um, small percentage, big impact on the
1: flows in the department when they do occur. The nature of a high-speed smash means people receive multiple injuries.
6: Essentially, people come in with altered consciousness because they've injured their brain, um, their spinal injuries... Inevitably there's a limb injury or two in the mix um, quite often they're bleeding. We have to work out where they're bleeding from because obviously they could be bleeding from in their chest, in their abdomen or from their pelvis. So we have to work out very quickly um, where the site of bleeding is and what we need to do to stop that bleeding. Um, so there's a, a tremendous amount of activity initially
1: when someone arrives. Lisa Rossiter, one of the senior managers at the transport agency, was one of those crash victims several years ago. She's never told her staff about the crash or the ongoing impact it has on her.
7: I'm a survivor of a, of a serious crash, or what we would term a serious crash. Yes, in my university days I was heading home from university for lunch and uh, a car went straight through a Giveaway sign. And I was very seriously injured with a very serious neck injury that's been with me ever since. So I was very fortunate to be treated by the super team at, at Burwood Hospital and uh, have made, you know, a comparative recovery, of course. But uh, yes, I unfortunately, like many New Zealanders, I've, I've been there firsthand.
1: Ms Rossiter says the crash is one of the driving factors behind her push to make roads safer. She says people don't realize how big of an issue road safety is.
7: You know, I call road safety in New Zealand New Zealand's twelve million dollar a day problem because that's the social cost every day of serious road trauma in this country is twelve million. And I always think, imagine what more we could do with that money if we could divert it into other places.
1: The most recent figures put the social cost of deaths and injuries on the road at more than thirteen million dollars a day not including costs from non-injury crashes. Julianne Genta is leading the adoption of a new road safety strategy called Road to Zero, which follows the Swedish Vision Zero approach. Vision Zero's simple principle is that no death on the road is acceptable, and it seeks to design a roading system which accounts for driver error. Ms. Genta says the social cost of crashes is, if anything, a conservative figure.
8: That cost needs to be at the top of government's mind when we're thinking about well how much how what is the benefit of investing in safety? Like clearly it's going to be enormous, right? Because five billion is more than we spend on transport infrastructure every year between central and local government. Um, But really, the true cost to families is far greater than that. I mean, it destroys lives. It changes lives forever, and um, that's why we have to make a difference on this. You know, and and I think what that social cost tells us is that it is a very very sound investment.
1: It was a crash during Ms. Genter's childhood which helped shape her thinking on road safety. She was looking after her younger brother on the walk to school when he was hit by a car which ran a red light. For her family, the consequences of the crash were far greater than the physical injuries it caused.
8: Luckily, he wasn't seriously injured. He was very, very lucky, though he could have been killed. If it had been three seconds further across the road, um, it could have been extremely serious. Um, It was actually the first day that... My mom had let us walk to school by ourselves in a while, um, and she, after that, never felt comfortable letting us walk to school. But then the thing is, in trying to avoid that risk of being hit by a car, um, I personally suffered from not getting enough physical activity as a young person and, you know, really struggled with um, being overweight when I was a teenager. And um, one of the reasons I'm so passionate about making cycling safer is because it just has so many benefits across the board.
1: Between 2000 and 2018, more than 900 pedestrians or cyclists died in a collision with a vehicle. Julianne Genta says the new road safety approach will elevate the needs of more vulnerable road users. But it also has a heavy focus on improving the safety of large stretches of road, ...by installing median barriers, side barriers, rumble strips and wider centre lines. The goal is to reduce the number of road deaths by 40% over the next decade. Lisa Rossiter says the Transport Agency has helped form the new strategy... ...by looking at what has and hasn't worked in the past. What hasn't worked is the traditional approach to road safety...
7: In the past, we've put a lot of emphasis on driver behaviour and focusing on encouraging people to drive more carefully and be a good driver and take care and all those things. And what we've learnt, and indeed this is an international learning from road safety experts, is that's not enough. It's essential, but it's not enough because we're all human. Just like our best sports people, we'll go out there and we'll still make mistakes every day on the road. And so we've simply got to move the focus beyond driver behaviour.
1: That isn't to say that driver education isn't important in a new strategy. Mike Gubb, who trains young drivers in the Topor region, says the current testing process needs to include open road driving, where nearly 75% of road deaths occur in Taupo, we I take them out Aretia Road, you know, to the rapids, cross the
3: dam, and out there. And you know, the kids say to me, "Do we come out here for our test?" I says, "No," but you're going to drive these type of roads, aren't you? And they're like, "Yeah." I said, "So we need to make sure, you know, you do it." And that's, and you're right. It's forget about the test. Teach them to drive properly. Teach them to take out, you know, go out where they're not
1: going to be doing their test but where they're going to drive eventually. Julianne Genta says driver training will always be a key focus, but international evidence suggests designing roads that factor in bad driving works better. In a place like New Zealand, which doesn't have the financial might to build a nationwide motorway network, Ms Genta says that means a focus on safety upgrades to roads.
8: In the first three-year cycle, we'll get almost 200 kilometres of medium barriers and a few hundred kilometres of side barriers and thousands of kilometres of rumble strips, wider centre lines. These um, may not sound uh, incredibly, you know, life-changing, but they actually are. Uh, The evidence around the effectiveness of rumble strips at preventing Fatal run-off road crashes is, I think it's 40% reduction in fatal run-off road crashes. So because they're very cost-effective, we can apply them to more low-volume roads, and really that is where uh, we see a huge percentage of fatal crashes. And so in order to prevent those, we, just, we have to look right across the network.
1: It's a move that has plenty of support within the road safety community. Lisa Rossiter says the plan will undoubtedly save lives – because more roads will be upgraded than in the past. The government is also committed to increasing enforcement on the roads, through more speed cameras and more police officers. Steve Greeley says the police have been trying to figure out why the road toll is rising, but can't pinpoint one key factor – What he does know is that people need to take road safety more seriously.
4: If you put those 377 who died last year into a a wide-bodied airliner and that crashed, can you imagine what would happen after that in terms of civil aviation and so on? Everyone would be up in arms and we be talking about air safety and all the rest. Now thankfully that has not happened. Improving roads is likely to
1: take decades, but it's something the government is committed to. But those out responding to 111 calls day after day want drivers to take more care over what they're doing to try to reverse the horror unfolding on our roads every day.
0: That programme was written and presented by Ben Strang. If you'd like to podcast other Insight programmes, you can head to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Insight page on the RNZ website or wherever you get your podcasts. Next week, Insight asks what's happened to the government's promise to overhaul the welfare system so everyone can live with dignity. I'm Philip Atoli and that's all from Insight for today. Great to have you listening, and do join us again next time.